Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where the last couple of days we've had a lot of news here. Oh, my gosh, we got Senator Richard Burr stepping down as the Intelligence Committee chair as the FBI issues a search warrant to get his phone in an insider stock trading case. We've had the names of the Obama-era officials who unmasked Mike or sought to unmask Mike Flynn's calls. And uh, we've had a, our own exclusive here at Just the News about new documents, new State Department documents released under FOIA uh, that show or call into question the testimony of Adam Schiff's star witness at the impeachment hearings. That's right. Former Ukraine Ambassador Marie Ivanovich. And we're going to get to all of that. We've got two amazing guests, right? We've got Dave Bossy, head of Citizens United, the man whose FOIA lawsuit resulted in those Ukraine documents, the ones I wrote about that broke on Just the News about 30, 40 hours ago. And we have Congressman Lee Zeldin, Republican of New York, the man who questioned Ambassador Yovanovitch and elicited the testimony that now conflicts with the documents we uh, put into public on Just the News. And we're going to get to all of that in a few minutes. Plus, we're going to talk about why the new data on unmasking is important and where the investigation must go next. We'll have all of that. Two great interviews. You're not going to want to miss Congressman Lee Zeldin, Dave Bossy of Citizens United, outside advisor to President Trump, both on the show today, right after these commercial breaks. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And uh, remember, as we always ask, please support our sponsors, our advertisers, all the great people that make this radio show, this podcast available, as well as the great reporting you get every day on justthenews.com. They're special to us, and we hope that you can reward them for their support uh, for our reporting. All right, we're going to get to two things here today. The first is uh, the story we broke on Tuesday night. Both of our guests today, Congressman Lee Zeldin, Citizens United, Dave Bossy, played a critical role in the story. But first, we want to explain it to you a little bit more. So if you remember back to last fall, the star witness uh, in Adam Schiff's impeachment hearings was a woman named Marie Ivanovich. She had been fired by Trump in uh, 2019 uh, as the ambassador to Ukraine. She was a career woman, uh, well-respected in the di- diplomatic ranks. Uh, and she had been there during part of the time that the uh, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, Burisma Holdings controversy was hovering over the U.S. embassy. 
And during her testimony, she made fairly light of the whole Burisma scandal, basically saying it wasn't something on her radar, something that was she was particularly focused on. In fact, her testimony, particularly under questioning by Congressman Zeldin, who's going to be on the show later today, was that she really didn't know much about Burisma or Hunter Biden or the criminal investigations that surrounded that company in Ukraine, other than what she got in a briefing in the summer of 2016 before she was confirmed before the Senate. And then what she read in some of the news clips in Ukraine. And uh, Congressman Zeldin repeatedly pressed her. You only knew things about the press report. This wasn't a big deal. And she said, yes, I may have gotten other information. I don't remember, but I pretty much think that's where it came from. Well, the new documents uh, uncovered by a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit by Citizens United, Dave Bossie's group. He'll be on the show in a little bit as well. Reveal a different story, a very different story between... September and December of 2016, right after Yovanovitch started as the ambassador in Kiev, Ukraine, and right as the presidential election in America was heating up to its end, Trump versus Clinton, uh, there were enormous, significant, regular conversations going on between Yovanovitch and her aides inside the Kiev embassy in Ukraine. Uh, and these included really specific things like she got a letter from Burisma's lawyers making clear that Burisma was trying to settle the criminal cases launched by Ukraine prosecutors against Burisma uh, before the election was over. She also got a briefing uh, by George Kent, extremely important, her top deputy, another one of the famous witnesses from the impeachment hearing, and was laid out the entire case, and Hunter Biden's role was mentioned as a board member brought in right when these criminal investigations were going sort of as a shield. And then perhaps most significant of all, the thing that Congressman Zeldin and others probably going to have a hard time accepting she didn't remember, she met directly with one of Burisma's lawyers. That's right, a lawyer from the uh, firm Blue Star Strategies that uh, was trying to help Burisma polish its image, get these allegations of corruption uh, to, to disappear, particularly at the embassy where it, they had been critical of Burisma, and to get these criminal cases settled uh, by Ukraine prosecutors before the election was over, before Donald Trump could take over and make hay of it. Well, uh, we now know that she knew a lot more than what was in the news clips. She knew a lot more than what she had gotten in her pre-confirmation uh, uh, briefing. She was kept apprised of the developments Got, had detailed uh, a detailed meeting with one of the Burisma representatives, got a detailed letter from another, and perhaps most striking of all, and this is something to keep an eye on, when the final word came out in Ukraine that Burisma had successfully ended a three-year criminal investigation and that its owner, Zolchevsky, and the company Burisma, who had hired Hunter Biden, a board member, paid him millions of dollars, that when the word came out that he was escaping severe penalty and that the cases had been closed down, there was a big uproar. And the embassy, the people working around Ambassador Yovanovitch, sent a, a set of clips and, and noted that one of the reports in Ukraine was that there had been some payoffs made, some uh, corrupt actions taken to influence the Ukrainian government officials to ensure that they dropped this case. And uh, not, not but a few hours later, after the reports came out, a deputy economic counselor, one of the senior officials in the embassy reporting to Yovanovitch, told the ambassador, hey, uh, these reports are true. The, the, the allegation that Burisma dumped some cheap gas on the market so that Ukrainian government officials could buy it low and sell it high and make a profit, get a payoff, get something corrupt, it's true. That's what the economic counselor told the ambassador. That's what makes all of this all the more implausible that 
Ambassador Yovanovitch, during the testimony, during the show hearings of Adam Schiff and the impeachment, claimed that she didn't remember anything except what she read in the newspaper when she was having these sort of discussions, a meeting with a Burisma representative, a conversation with uh, her staff on multiple occasions, a detailed letter from Burisma's lawyers. And as soon as she got it, she sent her, she forwarded it to her staff saying, what's this about? I need to know. And she gets a briefing. She doesn't seem to remember any of that. And I think that that is going to lead to some bigger questions about the accuracy of her testimony, the completeness, the thoroughness of her testimony. Uh, we're going to ask Congressman Lee Zeldin, who did the questioning that elicited those answers, um, what he thinks of it, whether he thinks she lied or did something inappropriate. Uh, we're also going to ask Dave Bossy about it. You're going to hear from both of them. Uh, meanwhile, there's been a lot of breaking news on the front since our story broke. Late last night, Senator Ron Johnson, chairman of the Senate Homeland Security Committee, announced that he's going to issue a subpoena next week for that company, Blue Star Strategies, that firm that was representing Burisma, the representative of whom met with Ambassador Yovanovitch. So there's an official subpoena being prepared and voted on next week. And we are hearing from, our, uh, from sources in the House that House Republicans, though they're in the minority, are about to make a major request for documents from Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Stay tuned. We're going to have a lot of conversations. We've got the two key players on it, Dave Bossy, Citizens United, the group whose FOIA lawsuit got us these documents, got us this exclusive story, as well as Congressman Lee Zeldin, who last October did the inquisition, the, the uh, interrogation of Ambassador Yovanovitch that elicited the answers that are now under question. All right, we're going to go to commercial break in a second, but I want to get to one more thing, the other big news that we've had, and that is that, uh, as you know, yesterday, the two senators, Johnson, Senator Johnson, who I just mentioned, and Senator Chuck Grassley, uh, released a document that had been declassified by the Director of National Intelligence, Rick Grinnell. He's the acting DNI. And this gives us, for the first time, the list of Obama-era officials who sought to unmask the conversations that Mike Flynn had with Russian and other foreign leaders. Uh, this has been a big controversy since the very beginning days of Russiagate. Why? Because one of those conversations, after they were unmasked, was leaked to the New York Times and became the uh, focal point to smear Flynn, to force his resignation, and then to lead to a criminal investigation that accused him of lying to the FBI, something he is now trying to get reversed, his conviction. Um, what did we learn from the release yesterday? What we learned is more than a dozen Obama political officials sought to unmask Mike Flynn's conversations between the day Donald Trump won, November 9th, 2016, uh, to the day President Trump took office, January 2017. So over a little over two months, more than a dozen requests for more than two dozen conversations uh, that Flynn was having that were being intercepted by the NSA. This is a privacy violation for certain. Uh, and it's the sort of thing that when we first began our effort on Russiagate three years ago, my reporting, uh, we, were, we, we started here. We started with the issue, why were there so many amaskings going on? We now know who they are. And let me just give you some of the names. Well, F former and fired FBI Director James Comey, he tried to unmask in a conversation. Uh, UN Ambassador Samantha Power, Obama Chief of Staff Dennis McDonough, Treasury Secretary Jack Lew, all political appointees, CIA Director John Brennan, he's one. And I'm going to give you one that's really interesting. A Deputy Secretary at the Treasury Department named Sarah Raskin. She's important not only for her own career as a Treasury official, but also she's married to Democratic Congressman Jamie Raskin of Maryland. 
He's one of Trump's most harsh critics in Congress. So you see the political connections. There are a lot of political appointees, the wife of a political critic of the president. Um, that's the sort of people that were getting these unmaskings. Now, maskings was originally created so that intelligence analysts could better understand and analyze intercepts. But now it's become a political football. And we, this confirms what we had feared all along, that political appointees were getting uh, the unmasked conversations of their adversaries. Mike Flynn was not liked by the Obama administration as it was going out the door. And what are they doing? They're looking at his conversations, unmasking his protected name and these intercepts. Now, what we need to find out is who, if any of those officials, leaked the one conversation that went to the Washington Post that is clearly a felony, leaking a classified intercept uh, would be a felony. And also, were these requests legitimate? Were they doing it for political purience or political payback? Or did they have an intelligence reason that we do not yet net know about? That's going to be the focus of many, many investigations. Senator Johnson, Senator Grassley, and also Senator Lindsey Graham all announced yesterday that they're going to be holding hearings and investigations into these unmaskings. Why was it happening? Why was it going on? Uh, and then secondly, and perhaps just as importantly, the DNI, Rick Grinnell, sent these records to uh, the Justice Department, where two special prosecutors, John Durham and Jeff Jensen, have been looking at the Mike Flynn case and potential abuses by investigators. So they'll have it for their criminal investigations if they so choose. Big development, major development, a confirmation of the politicalization of these unmasking uh, issues. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot more to be learned. We should give everyone the benefit of the doubt until we know what happened. But what we do know happened now is that a whole lot of Obama-era officials were seeking the unmasked uh, intercepts of Mike Flynn heading out the door, as they were heading out the door, and then Mike Flynn suddenly becomes the abject of James Comey's FBI, and then eventually Special Prosecutor Robert Mueller's investigation. Anyone see a coincidence there? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, on, a, on a good note, I want to share one thing. Myself and my, my former colleague, Sarah Carter, great reporter, we started the whole Russiagate reporting back in the spring of 2017 by focusing on unmasking. What did, we, what did we break? In the spring of 2017, we got data from the ODNI, the Office of Director of National Intelligence, showing that there had been this massive spike in the number of searches of Americans' phone records. Basically, the unmasked names of Americans or their phone numbers were being searched in a database and people were sucking up the Americans' phone records to see who they were talking to overseas. And then we saw over that, as they searched to see who called who, there was a corresponding rise in uh, the number of contents, meaning the actual intercepts, what I was saying or someone was saying overseas, the act, there was a, a large surge in the number of searches. And that led to a large numbers of requests I think about nine or 10,000 in 2016, uh, of officials seeking to see the names of intercepted people, Americans, names that are supposed to be minimized, protected, redacted from these transcripts. That is so important. So we saw this uh, threefold um, increase in the searches of Americans' phone records. I think it was about um, 9,500 searches in, in uh, 2013, the first year of Obama's second term. And by 2016, the election year, it had gone up to more than 30,000 searches of unmasked phone records, Americans' actual names or their phone records being searched in the database. There's some good news, a little bit of good news. Since President Trump took office, those searches have been going down by almost 50%. In 2018, there was about 14,374 unmasked searches of American phone calls. 
and in 2019 went up a little bit, but still way below where it was at the end of the Obama era, 16,692. So there's a little bit better protection of Americans' phone records in the new data I was able to get from ODNI. But still, a lot of unmasking was going on at the end of President Obama's tenure. I said about 92, 9,300 people uh, made requests, or there were 9,200 requests to unmask specific Americans' names and transcripts. Uh, that number hasn't changed. It's about 10,000 last year under uh, Trump. So unmasking, at least the final version of unmasking, the type where a political appointee or agency asked to see a name in a report, is still about the same as where it was when Obama left office. The good news is the number of searches on Americans' private phone records in the National Security Agency's database has gone down as a result of reforms that President Trump uh, took. All right, we're going to go to a commercial break. When we come back, first Dave Bossie, Citizens United, and then Congressman Lee Zeldin of New York, the Republican whose interrogation of Marie Yovanovitch, the U former Ukrainian ambassador, is taking on new significance in the marketplace. I'm John Solomon. You're listening to John Solomon Reports at justthenews.com. We'll be back in just a few seconds. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, our next guest is Dave Bossie, the former congressional investigator, the current outside advisor to President Trump, and most importantly, the founder and head of Citizens United, the group that filed the FOIA lawsuit that gave us those great documents earlier this week about Marie Ivanovich, the Ukraine ambassador, and the meetings about Burisma, yes, the Hunter Biden company, that she forgot to tell the impeachment hearings about last fall. Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, first off, I, a lot of folks have probably know your group most famously for the Supreme Court ruling that it, that it helped bring about on campaign finance. But talk about some of the great work you do every day in, in bringing transparency in, uh, through uh, Freedom of Information Act lawsuits. Yeah, it's one of the one of the great things we've been doing for a long time, John. And we used it really effectively over the last uh, 10 plus years, uh, really ever since uh, 2006, 2007, leading up to when Hillary Clinton was going to run the first time uh, and, and, and Barack Obama ended up beating her. But we've all Citizens United and our, our, our research and legal teams uh, use FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act, to try to pry out of the government important documents. And we never get them through FOIA. So we end up having to litigate every single case. And we have cases today, John, and I think you know this, is we've had federal judges approve uh, schedules for document distribution to us that last 40 to 60 years, not oh, months, no. not days, not weeks, <laughs> But 40 to 60 years, literally my grandkids are going to have to care if they want to review these documents when they come out of the, the government archives. It's, it's, it's insanity. It's really the opposite of what FOIA was created for. It's the opposite of what transparency in government is supposed to be. 
And it's one of the things that Citizens United does and does very well. We also make a lot of documentary films with a lot of guys that, uh, you know, your audience knows from Newt Gingrich to Mike Huckabee. You know, you, you name it, we, we, we do a lot of different things, and, and we're, we have some great films coming out the, this fall. So we're, 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 we're a busy group, and uh, we're excited to be talking about, you know, uh, these documents that we kind of fell into. Uh, John, as you well know, we didn't, we didn't go after Ambassador Yovanovitch's emails. We didn't go after her documents at all. We actually went after George Kent's documents based on his testimony last right. fall during the impeachment saga. We listened to him about Burisma and Hunter Biden, and we, we foiled his documents, and we fell, and that's what good investigations do. You pull the threads, and we found these documents on Yovanovitch and Burisma, Blue Star, Hunter Biden, through going through George Kent. So my point is in, the point of that information is that if we had gone after Yovanovitch's material, we may even go at, get more, meaning there may be more there that they didn't want us to see because they clearly didn't give us this material except under federal court order. Yeah, well, I can answer part of that question. I've had a, a pending lawsuit that did specifically seek um, uh, Ambassador Yovanovitch's contacts with Burisma. And here's a funny thing, Dave. Uh, you got these documents back in late April and you were kind enough to share with us. In my lawsuit, they told me there were no more responsive documents and they didn't produce these. So it shows you the games that you were just talking about in this FOIA process. I requested all of Ambassador Yovanovitch's contacts with, with about Burisma. These were clearly responsive and I never got them. And the, and, the, and the State Department has gone to the court saying we're done with production. We have nothing more. I can't wait to tell the judge that they might want to go look again. <laughs> You know, unfortunately for the American people, that's, that's the rule, right? Not the exception. We do this routinely, and then we share our documents with congressional committees that are running investigations on us in the House and Senate, and we run across the exact problem that you are describing. So Citizens United gets a document production, and we go meet with a Senate investigative committee uh, and share those same exact documents, and they say, we didn't have these, and they certified to us that they gave us everything, and we don't have these. And it happens every day, and that's the problem with down in the bowels of these federal agencies. It doesn't matter which one. We happen to be dealing with Department of Justice and state and other intel on this particular investigation, but it doesn't matter. You could be going to the EPA or, or the Department of Education. They treat everyone the same. Yeah, no, transparency is is costly, unfortunately, for the American uh, people. It, we, it doesn't come easily. And your work has been epic over the years. And these new documents, as my listeners are really familiar because of the story that broke Tuesday night with, with your, your great FOIA, are already acutely aware of the story. I want to I take you to why this is so remarkable. Last night, I was on Laura Ingram and the question came up about, you know, how did how did Adam Schiff put all these people on Mount Rushmore? James Comey, uh, John Brennan, Marie Ivanovich, they were all heroes during the hearings. And then we find out afterwards that they probably belong on Mount Schiff, people who gave us incomplete, inaccurate and, and unheroic testimony. Talk a little bit about how surprised you were to learn that Ivanovich uh, had had these contacts with Burisma after testifying that she didn't think she had any. Uh, having been around this town, meaning Washington, D.C., and watching the enemies of Donald Trump 
do and say whatever they need uh, in order to try to damage him, to destroy him. And that is the problem. And so, yes, w- w- were we surprised that we came up with, that we found these documents? Yes. Were we surprised that she did it? Absolutely not. If you look at, if you look at one of the other witnesses, uh, David Holmes. Um, David Holmes is somebody who came across as an Eagle Scout, the, the, right. the, the quintessential Boy Scout. I'm non-political. He's the, if, for your listeners, he's the guy who had the bionic ears and heard both sides of a conversation with the president of the United States in a restaurant where the phone was not on speakerphone. And so, uh, you know, back in the days when you could go to a restaurant, right? So this is, <laughs> exactly. you know, so do we miss Holmes, those yeah, David Holmes remembers every word of this conversation. And I am not political. I don't have any, any partisan reasons for telling the story. We, we continue to dig at the state department um, during and after his testimony into uh, uh, these people who are, were involved in meeting with Christopher Steele and, and getting that Steele dossier, that fake, phony dossier, into the state, in, from the State Department to the FBI, okay? And, the, and, and so we have, we have those meetings that happened, and we know the, who those people were. So we start subpoenaing, or we start foying that information of what that group of people were doing. And we get emails that show that there is a person on all of these hate-filled emails uh, amongst the cabal at the State Department that's trying to destroy President Trump. And one of the people on it is Stephanie Holmes. And my team decides, JT Mastronati, who's the, you know just brilliant at these things, yeah, looks, looks at Stephanie Holmes and says, oh my God, that's David Holmes's wife. So, so David Holmes, who puts himself out as a non-political, non-partisan, professional diplomat, and I'm just reporting what I hear, his, he didn't bother to tell the committee that his wife was was actively discussing these issues, actively coordinating on email chains about the Steele dossier with the same people who were trying to do this. This is this is the problem. And by the way, if we had gotten these documents from the State Department prior to the committee hearings in, in, in impeachment, they would have been questioned and David Holmes's credibility would have been destroyed. But instead, he comes off as the Eagle Scout. And this is that's w- what the deep state does. They hide these things until after the fact. And so we're lucky that we have, uh, you know, people like you, John, who are dogged and willing to write these stories because a lot of people will be like, oh, you know, that's yesterday's news, even though it's not yesterday's news. Yeah, no, it's really tomorrow's news. If we're ever going to solve this weaponization of law enforcement and in the case of Congress impeachment, uh, we have to we have to expose the the inaccurate, incomplete and completely misleading things that have been carried out the last three years by the FBI and by Adam Schiff in Congress. You look at this, and, and we now know that the testimony was clear that that uh, Ambassador Yovanovitch said she didn't know anything about Breesma except for her pre-confirmation hearing briefing and things she read in the newspaper. And now we know she met directly with uh, Breesma's representatives. She got a lengthy letter from Breesma's lawyers. She engaged in numerous email contacts and got a private briefing from George Kent, the, the, the uh, State Department official you focused on. What's the consequence uh, of this? Uh, you know, does does she get in trouble? Does she be forced to change her testimony? You know, that's a great question, John. And and what should happen in a in a 
normal, serious world, there should be a criminal referral from both the House Judiciary Committee or the House Intelligence Committee, as well as the Senate committees that oversee this, uh, because those are the ones that heard testimony. And there should be a criminal referral on perjury for Ambassador Yovanovitch. And she should be held accountable. She should be made to answer for what she has done here. Look, the American people are seeing what is going on with Mike Flynn, General Flynn, a three-star lieutenant general who spent almost 30 years of his life in uniform defending our country. He is somebody who has had run-ins with Barack Obama. And so when you've had run-ins with Barack Obama, you get the, 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 the sting of you know the entire federal government being used to destroy you. You get unmasked by people like Joe Biden and 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 McDonough and you know ben, uh, Rhodes and and you know you get all these bad guys within the Obama administration 10, 12 days before the end of the term and they're unmasking Mike Flynn. That's just disgusting. And so yeah. so you look at what the American people see happening to Mike Flynn and then you see the hypocrisy of what happens to Ambassador Yovanovitch. It's the same thing. Actually, this is worse. Mike Flynn didn't lie. Mike Flynn didn't do what the FBI tried to set him up. Um, and that's what they did. They set him up. James Comey and McCabe and Strzok, the bad actors who have all been fired at the FBI, every one of them should be prosecuted, whether they get convicted or not, but they all should be looked at for prosecution for what they have done to the United States, what they've done to the FBI, what they've done to these cases, uh, obstruction, you know, interfering. This is this is criminal activity. And Yovanovitch should be made to answer. But you see the hypocrisy of how they treat Mike Flynn versus how they treat one of the one of the good old boys. Right. One of the club. Yeah, it's uh, well, we have a great guest coming up right behind you, Congressman Lee Zeldin, who is the very congressman who questioned Yovanovitch and elicited the testimony. We're going to have to ask him, is he going to refer Maria Yovanovitch to uh, the Justice Department for prosecution? We'll get that chance in a few minutes. Lee Zeldin is one of the great members of Congress today. He has so come into his own. He is a national leader uh, you know, on this anti-corruption, transparency, and holding government accountable. And, and, and it doesn't matter if it's Republican or Democrat. Lee Zeldin is a squared away guy. He's a guy you want representing you in Congress. That's just my opinion of how I look at these members of Congress today. You know, and Lee Zeldin is such a decent person. And I look at his thoughtful questioning. And he's the reason. He's exactly what you just said. Yeah. He's the reason that we got these documents. He's the reason his questioning is what raised questions to us during the impeachment process, during the hearings, that made us go and do this FOIA and this litigation, as well as others that we still have coming down the pike, and hopefully we get even more answers. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you can see he was drilling down. He didn't believe the idea that something as important as Burisma and Hunter Biden, the vice president's son, be uh, his company being invest investigated in the fall of 2016, that all she would know about it was from news clips. You can see he kept drilling down and gave her multiple opportunities to say, no, I got a briefing. The best she could say is I might have learned something else, but I don't remember it.
And that raises another question. There's two options here, right? One, she either knowingly lied, which is she knew she had it, or she didn't review her documents before she went in for a testimony for a hearing that was the most epic of hearings. We were talking about removing the president of the United States from office. Yeah, she's a Princeton educated. Very smart woman. Very, very smart. Okay, for her to say the golly gee whizzikers, I didn't, you know, uh, I didn't review my documents uh, defense is is hogwash. And I and it's not going to stand the test because there's going to be ways to show that she did review right. the documents right. because those there are documents to show what she reviewed and what she didn't. So we're going to get down into it. Um, so Ambassador Yovanovitch, uh, you know, is somebody who clearly thought that impeachment was the end game. That's what they did, whether it's David Holmes or Yovanovitch or any of these others. They said, this is the end. We're going to throw everything at the president we can because we must destroy him with this impeachment hearing. We must defeat him here um, or he's going to defeat us. And therefore, they went and they threw everything up against the wall. And Yovanovitch did it. And I think that they didn't feel like there would be repercussions, that there would be that anyone would have to answer for this. And now we're seeing a guy named Rick Grinnell change the yes. entire uh, dynamic of what is going on uh, in our intelligence communities, what's going on. Look, I, you know, I, I, I wrote this up on Fox News the other day, but it's it's you know, it, it, these investigations have been going on for about fourteen hundred and fifty days, one thousand four hundred and fifty days. That is unbelievable. The entire Trump administration, in effect. Right. And it's taken Rick Grinnell a little over 60 days to dismantle the entire effort. Uh, by the left, not not entirely, but he is well on his way, and he's and I think he's just beginning because I hope he puts out the list. Not only did he put out the names of those who unmasked Mike Flynn, I hope he puts out the names of those on at the campaign in 2016 of the others that our intel was watching. Who else was under investigation illegally um, using those FISA warrants and other applications? That, that the FBI was misusing, who else during the campaign and transition were under the microscope? And, and I think that's going to be a shocking thing as well. And I hope, I agree. I hope uh, Ambassador Grinnell releases that because that's, an, that's a Fourth Amendment civil rights violation. And these people yep. need to be made to pay for that. Well, you, um, you're so good at connecting the dots, and you just did for us for the, with the Holmes family connection. Let me throw another one out to you that's specifically related to unmasking. We'll, we'll leave Ukraine behind now and go to, go to Russiagate. Um, uh, the, one of the 16 requesters of Flynn unmaskings in the, in the transition period was a woman named Sarah Raskin, and she was the deputy treasury secretary who just happens to be married to Congressman Jamie Raskins. And so you see these connections of people uh, who don't have an intelligence responsibility on a daily basis, right? Unmasking was really made for intelligence analysts to look and make sure they could understand a product and, and inform the policymakers. But now you got the policymakers themselves doing the unmasking. Well, one of those people is married to one of the most harshest critics of President Trump in Congress. And so those are the sort of things that make, I think, people scratch their head every day and go, what's going on with this unmasking? Yeah, Jamie, Jamie Raskin is is one of the worst elements in Congress, to be honest with you. He is a, a hardcore, hardcore leftist um, who, has, you know, has taken the position of doing 
and saying anything to destroy President Trump, regardless of the consequences. And you could see if this is accurate that his wife would have transmitted any of that information to him. Now, he has a top secret clearance, too, so they're going to be able to go home and say, hey, over dinner, hey, honey, what did you do today, right? Like That's the question, like, right? Okay, so so it is disgusting that that a person in a, in a position would misuse and abuse their power because unmasking is not an everyday activity. It is no, not something not that is done. It is not something that is done lightly. It is not an everyday activity for our intelligence agencies and for all of these people, ambassadors to, you know, I mean, to Italy. I mean, what are we talking, Turkish ambassador? What are we doing here that these people who are all political hacks, let's just be honest, from Joe Biden to McDonough, these people were either in on the scam. They were running the operation out of the Oval Office for Barack Obama or uh, they were misusing it for political oppor- opportunities. This is this is a this is a big scandal. And let me just say this: um, President Trump, I, Corey Lewandowski, and I wrote a book um, called "Trump's Enemies." Okay, right? Yeah, great book. And, and, and it was it, it's from 2018. It was Trump's Enemies: How the Deep State Is Undermining the Presidency. And in that book, we sat for a one-hour interview, in-depth interview with the President of the United States in the Oval Office. Well, really, actually, it's the only interview he did uh, that year uh, in, in, in his term uh, for a book. And so we were quite honored to do that. But in that, we asked him, where does this lead? Where does this investigation lead to? Now, this is 2018. And he said, this go- goes all the way to Barack Obama. This goes to the uh, Obama-Biden White House. And I believe, this is the president, and it's, it's, it's in the book in his quotes that says, this goes all the way to the Oval Office, the leadership of how this entire conspiracy about about attacking Mike Flynn and the campaign, unmasking the whole lot of it, he laid at the feet of Barack Obama and Joe Biden. And now two years later, we are seeing that Donald Trump was exactly right then. And, And we're gonna get to the bottom of this thing over the next six months, if it's the last thing we do, we ha- otherwise it's going to go back to business as usual, John. And these intelligence agencies will 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 laugh. They'll be emboldened to do it again. Yeah, yeah, that is the fear and the concern. Well, I want to say uh, one thing in closing. Get your reaction to it. So a lot of times people say, "Well, there's political outrage and there's no action." And I want to point out something that the rest of the media has not pointed out except for me because I've been on the unmasking case all the way back to 2014 when I first got the first statistics on it. So here, here's the trend lines. In the first year of the second term of Obama, there were 9,500 unmaskings. By the time Obama left in 2016, they had grown threefold to 30,000 plus unmaskings. So the question is, if Donald Trump's concerned about this, did he do anything or is he just dancing on the floor of politics? And here is the answer. Under President Trump, Unmaskings have been cut by half, 50% reduction. They have averaged between 14 and 16,000 unmaskings a year, half of what Barack Obama left behind for him. So the president doesn't just complain. He actually took actions to try to protect the privacy. And that's real data right out of the ODNI. And John, I would I would posit to your audience that now that the pre- and by the way, that's with the president thinking that there were problems. He cut it in half. My guess is. When this president gets reelected, 
you will be able to have, we, you and I could have this conversation in two years time and we'll be able to look back and say in 2019 and in 2020 that the president cut it even further. And my guess is it will be dramatic in its scope because you can't allow these intelligence agencies to run amok. And so even 14 or 15,000 sound like a lot to me, to be honest. Right, right. Because that's in a year. I mean, think about how many that is a day, folks. I mean, it's not it's yeah. not hard math. Four or five a day. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just a lot to me. And so who's doing it? Why are they doing it? What are the underlying reasons and facts and circumstances? So, you know, look, every American believes in protecting the American people from from terrorism and, and, and you know, uh, 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 criminal activity uh, that, that takes part abroad. But this, that level seems to me to be, you know, an incredible overreach. Yeah, no, I think that's it for anyone who's a civil libertarian. And, you know, here's the funny part. Until President Trump came into office, the ACLU, the, the Civil Liberties Organization, had always been concerned about this, but they've been remarkably silent about the abuses that have now been uncovered about Mike Flynn. I, and I just heard something good. I just I just emailed my booker saying, two years from today, let's get Dave Bossy back on the show. <laughs> hey, but I'm busy I at can't... 10 o'clock that morning, so I can't do it until later in the afternoon. All right. We'll have to make a note of that. Well, listen, I can't thank you enough for what you do uh, to bring transparency. FOIA is such an expensive and important tool, and you, you use it in a way to make sure that the American people understand what went on. I'm so grateful that you shared these documents with just the news first and we we thank you for that work and the transparency you brought and we look forward to working with you again absolutely john thank you it's uh, through your dogged reporting that uh, you know a lot of this gets uncovered over the last several years and you know well you and i've known each other two decades yeah yeah early clinton administration yeah yeah it's been a long time 20 plus years that we've been doing this uh and and, you know, uh, it, it, it's it's remarkable to be able to every day wake up and try to do good that, you know, and, 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 and create that transparency for the American people so that they get the, a full accounting of what their government is doing. So thank you for your work. Well, thanks again, Dave. And we'll be in touch with you soon. All right, folks, we're going to go to a commercial break. When we come back, the congressman who asked the fateful question of Ambassador Yovanovitch, Lee Zeldin, joining us next. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, the congressman who asked those amazing questions of Ambassador Yovanovitch last year during impeachment, Congressman Lee Zeldin of New York, welcome. Thank you, John, and thank you for your good work uh, over the course of these past couple days, months, years, uh, throughout this entire impeachment push. Your name has uh, come up a lot, so it's good to be on with you to talk to you about uh, your latest good work. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, it's been a journey for all of us who have been interested in the truth, and you, you've been such an important player on that. 
Um, our, my, uh, my listeners are all up to speed on the story itself about what happened between Ivanovich and these new records. But I wanted to ask you, when you were asking these questions back in uh, the fall of 2019, you kept drilling down on this idea that you didn't seem to trust the idea that all she knew about Burisma and Hunter Biden was just from news media reports. What, what made you suspicious at that point? Well, it was unbelievable. And not just her, but others, as we saw over the course of the rest of the depositions, were acting as if they didn't know anything about this. Now, we knew that there was only one specific investigation when she was going through her Senate confirmation hearing that she was prepped to talk about. It was this one case. And I know when you're you're getting ready for a confirmation hearing uh, that, that almost everybody... Uh, whether you're you're trying to become a judge, an ambassador, a, a cabinet official, uh, you are really drilling into preparing uh, on these points. It's not just some random talking point that someone says that you should think about and you never think about it again. Uh, so there's just no way that she just that she would know nothing about any of this. Uh, it was just it, there was obviously more for her to talk about. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you look back now, and so her testimony essentially was, I didn't know anything about Burisma Hunter Biden except what I got briefed before my confirmation hearing and what I read in the media. And now we have, thanks to the FOIA lawsuit filed by the Citizens United, we have these documents showing that between September and December 2016 alone, right during the end of the election, she uh, got a direct letter from Burisma, got a briefing on Burisma, then met directly with Burisma's representatives and then engaged in a series of emails, including discussions that Burisma and Hunter Biden's company may have settled the case using payoffs and other, you know, other assiduous uh, things. You look back now, do you think that she misled you and misled the Congress in her testimony? thousand percent. There's no other way to cut it. She, uh, it, it would... Uh, be unbelievable to to try to imagine that uh, Ambassador Yovanovitch, Princeton educated, well regarded for her intellect by many who uh, speak out strongly on her behalf, that she would forget every single one of these meetings, discussions, emails, uh, all of that traffic that is documented that as a result of that FOIA request is now public that you uh, reported on here over the last couple of days that she would not recall that she would not remember any of it any of it 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 wasn't even like there was a vague answer of uh, i believe there was other stuff other than press reports there were some emails uh, there were some meetings there were some discussions i don't remember the details maybe i don't remember the exact time frame of everything but to but to not recall any of it that's that's just not possible yeah i think a lot of people who read the story have come to the same uh the same conclusion so the question is what's the consequence what can you as a congressman who asked the the fateful questions or the the republicans in congress do you take another step to make sure that people like this don't give inaccurate, false, or misleading testimony in the future? What's, what are your options at this point now that impeachment is so long over? Well, I'm looking at this as part of uh, a, a larger issue of what we're talking about right now, people who are lying to Congress. Now, some cases are even more black and white than this. Uh, you look at the uh, example of Clapper saying that he didn't brief President Obama 
he's telling Congress this. Comey then tells Congress that uh, Clapper did brief President Obama. Samantha Power testifies to Congress that she wasn't part of any unmasking. And then we see with the documents that have been released in the last couple of days that she was directly connected to these unmasking requests. Uh, so and I'm just giving you a couple of examples. And then something else that's that's pretty outrageous is when the member of Congress is caught in frequent lies, as we've seen with Adam Schiff, where it's illegal for someone to come testify to Congress and lie, but there's no consequences if Congress itself lies. But you know, as far as the individuals who have violated existing criminal statutes – there should be investigations and accountability. I, I know that if if the tables were turned and it was Clapper lying and Power lying and these others lying, uh, and it was to take out a President Hillary Clinton or a President Barack Obama, uh, that, that there would there undoubtedly be perjury investigations that would be uh, ongoing. Now, in this particular case with with Yovanovitch, she didn't say in her answer, there was nothing else. She said, I don't recall. And you're seeing that when you look at uh, John Brennan's testimony, for example, uh, where you know, he w he got asked uh, questions about the, the Flynn investigations and, and the meetings that were taking place. And, and his answer was that he he didn't remember. You know, I, I don't I don't recall. I don't have a recollection. I'm, I'm paraphrasing exactly what his words are. But you, you have that second level of dishonesty to Congress where someone isn't black and white stating that a a meeting didn't uh, a meeting didn't happen. You know, I never met with President uh, Obama. You have you have that as you know relates to you know Clapper saying I never you know, I didn't spin, I didn't brief President Obama. And then you have right. other people saying I don't have a recollection of it. So those there just needs to be consequences about double standards. The uh, it is clear that at the time she testified and you were asking her the question, she was still an active State Department uh, employee. She could have gone back and looked at her records, and we don't know if she did right. Uh, and she was participating in one of the most important proceedings that Congress can ever launch, an impeachment, uh, an effort to remove a president duly elected by the American voters. Do you, uh, do you follow up? Because you're, you're the ultimate victim here as a member, the member who asked the questions. Do you follow up and ask the Justice Department to investigate? Did she review her records, try to zero in on whether it was intentional or otherwise? I, I think that that absolutely is called for uh, 100%. And while uh, you know, my last point was about how the statement itself was uh, the vague I don't recall without specifically saying there wasn't any emails, any meetings, any discussions, because that, I mean, that's just black and white lie without even looking into it any further. Uh, in this particular case, when you use terms like I don't recall, that's where when you do an investigation, you can determine uh, whether or not she did have her recollection refreshed in preparation for this deposition if in that particular questioning she indicates that she did review any of the documents that you just reported on 
then it becomes easier to prove a, a criminal charge. Uh, so you, you can't just jump straight in a, in a case like this with a statement like what she made. You can't just jump without that investigation right. into that provable conclusion that she absolutely clear as day lied. So an investigation is, is certainly warranted, um, but th- this is a much bigger issue, and I, I'm not seeing uh, any investigations going on. I really hope that it's maybe part of Durham's investigation, at least with some of the examples that I pointed to on the Russia front. Yeah, that's a great point. It, uh, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but all of, the only way we're going to get to the bottom of whether someone intended to lie is to actually dig into the contemporaneous text messages, emails, and other things. And so will you ask the Justice Department, will you send a letter yourself, or do you think members in Congress will? What, what do you think the plan is? Well, the plan, I'm going back to D.C. this afternoon, and I'm going to be seeing my colleagues tomorrow. Uh, I've spoken to one of my uh, colleagues uh, here over the course of the last 24 hours who was uh, in the deposition with me. I've actually spoken to two of my colleagues uh, about it. I spoke to, uh, to one about a day before that. So uh, I, I'm going to follow up with them, and uh, let's figure out what the, the right path is here. Um, you know, I, 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 I've reread the, the deposition since your story came out. Uh, and I believe that if there was an investigation, that you might be able to uncover the information that would be needed uh, to prove the the offense. Uh, you know, again, putting it all in the perspective, it's just shocking how many other cases that are just clear as day, black and white, right. provable with what we know now is false that aren't even being investigated. But maybe Durham's looking into it. Yeah, that's that's what we what we don't know. But you're right. There are many, many uh, very sharp answers. Now, one thing that comes up in these things is a pattern in practice. Right. And so earlier in the impeachment proceedings, Fox News was able to get a hold of some private emails of Yovanovitch that showed after she testified that she didn't have a conversation or didn't follow up with with Democratic staffers on Elliot Engel's committee that, in fact, she had, but she didn't use her State Department uh, email. She used a private email to communicate with them. Do you think that adds to the picture of a, of a witness and their intentions and their willingness to be forthcoming with Congress? hundred percent. That question that I had asked in the deposition about her conversations with the House Democratic staffer is important to point out. I, I asked if anyone had replied uh, if, if you or, or anyone else had replied uh, to that outreach from the House Democratic staffer, and that was an opportunity. If you want to be forthright, if you want to be transparent, if you want to be honest in answering the question, that you would say, yes, I did. Uh, th- th- these are the interactions that took place. And we shouldn't have to then find an email after the deposition that that proves that she was misleading in her answer. When you're asked the question under oath, just shoot straight. I remember Ambassador Kurt Volker was the first transcribed interview that took place. And one right. of the reasons why Republicans and Democrats coming out of that meeting weren't going after him at all wasn't because you know, of you know, any type of political, partisan motivation. It was because in the room he came across as genuine a genuine, candid, straight shooter. If you ask him a question, he's going to give you the answer whether you like it or not. And yeah, and, and uh, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, Gordon Sondland, you know, he seemed like a hot mess as you're going through the investigation, <laughs> as you're going through the, right. the interview, where I mean, he was just all over the map. And in between, you have people like Ambassador Yovanovitch, who it clearly wasn't shooting straight. With the, the two examples that we just got into 
where you ask a question about interaction with the, the House Democratic Committee staffer, just answer my question straight up, be candid, be genuine, and don't require us to locate some other email after the fact to find out that you didn't answer the question the way that you should have. And obviously what you just uncovered over the course of these last couple days I mean, are you kidding me? You want to say it's just it's not a big deal? And then in the interview, she says that the investigation is dormant. The Burisma Zolchevsky case was right. dormant. And that was based off of press reports. Well, that's why we're asking her, well, what else did you have other than press reports? I don't recall. And actually, if she was to reference all of the other stuff that she knew about other than press reports, if she referenced any of that other stuff – that you just uncovered, it would totally undermine the argument that it was dormant. So it would, and it would yeah, undercut this impeachment push. Uh, so I mean, this is why the questions uh, were being asked, because she was the one who wanted to use the word dormant, which all the media wants to reference. I remember CNN's Aaron Burnett going after me, you know, and saying, no, 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 the investigation was dormant. So I did the research, like, where are they coming up with this word? And it was you know, a, a word that was not even within quotation marks in, like, a Bloomberg story somewhere, where they, they, they say that according to a prosecutor, I don't even remember if he even indicated if it was a U.S. prosecutor or a Ukrainian prosecutor, uh, that the case was dormant. And the word dormant wasn't even quotation marks in that story. And because of that one news story, using that one word, Everyone adopted it as, well, the case is therefore dormant. And then Marie Ivanovich will be in an impeachment hearing saying, based on news reports, that's what this is, when actually if she shared all the rest of the information, the conclusion would be, now the case is very much open. It was active through September, October, November, December of 2016 and into January of 2017, when, as you reported, Vice President Biden goes to Ukraine, and there's concern on the Ukrainian side that uh, Vice President Biden was being conflicted out because of Vice President Biden and his family's business interests in Ukraine. Don't you think any of that is relevant? You're, you're, you're reporting not your own notes. You're reporting Marie Ivanovich's notes and working with her embassy yeah. and Ukrainian officials. Yeah, it's and it, listen, she had direct knowledge. She got a letter from Burisma's lawyer in September saying, we just settled this open investigation and we're working on another one. And in December, she gets a second notification that they settle a second case for a fine and may have done so corruptly. So the, uh, the embassy was acutely aware the investigations were open and Burisma was racing to try to get a settlement. That's a really great point, Congressman, that I, that, uh, I, I think the American public probably has to absorb. I want to ask you about one question, because congressional oversight, when done well, is so important. It's what the founding fathers intended. Uh, but there's a term that gets thrown around on Fox News and elsewhere called the shift show. And, you know, it, it's sort of a political term. But at the end of the day, when we look back at what Adam Schiff did over these last few years, he read into the congressional record, the Steele dossier, before he knew it was accurate. In fact, it turned out to be Russian disinformation. He rushes all these witnesses through, like Marie Ivanovich, uh, in rapid testimony without any counter witnesses or document productions. And uh, we end up with these false narratives that then we spend three years unwinding. How do we change this in Congress? What do we do to end the shift show and get back to the sort of uh, oversight hearings that make a difference for the American public? Well, the ultimate power is in the people who go to vote this November. They'll decide whether or not Nancy Pelosi is the speaker or not. They'll decide whether or not Adam Schiff is Chairman Adam Schiff or not. 
Uh, that gavel that is put into Adam Schiff's hands, that's put into Jerry Nadler's hands and Maxine Waters' hands, that's a consequence of the ultimate power, which is the American voter choosing which party is going to be in control of the House come January of 2021. Now, what should happen is that there should be a censure. There should be a resignation. Uh, he should lose his gavel. We, we know what should happen right now between now and November as far as accountability for Adam Schiff. But Nancy Pelosi isn't going to do that. The reason why Adam Schiff is the chair of this committee is to do exactly what he's done is because he is such a good liar, because he's good at writing the fairy tale parody, and then he's really good at telling the parody. And that's why the speaker promoted him and said, not only are you the chair of the House Intelligence Committee, I am anointing you as the chair of the House Impeachment Committee, and you can now lead the charge on behalf of our party and, and half of our country in trying to take down a sitting president. So I don't expect any accountability for him between now and November, but there could be accountability for all of them with that ultimate power uh, in the American people. And I think it's also interesting about how you use the term you know, uh, acutely aware and and what you see uh, is how uh, conveniently uh, people, whether it's Adam Schiff uh, and others who are trying to tell the story, uh, it's Brennan and Clapper and Power and, and Yovanovitch and others are, are acutely unaware of the rest of the story. And that's what Adam Schiff approached this entire impeachment narrative, where he took 3% of the story – and he tried to connect dots not actually connected, ignoring the other 97% of the story, to tell a parody that he attempted to be the world's greatest parody that just wasn't true. It was a shift show. I saw it in that deposition. What we're talking about in this interview about Marie Ivanovich, in that room, Adam Schiff was the judge, the jury, the prosecutor, the witness coach. He was the chief strategist for lying and leaking. I mean, he was in tra- it was the shift show in the basement of the Capitol, which became the shift show for the American public to watch, and it went over to the Senate and, and basically hijacked our country for six months. Imagine just how much more could have been done if you put all of that energy in working with each other as opposed to trying to take down a sitting president. You use the word censure. Are House Republicans thinking of, even though they won't get it passed, are they thinking of a, a censure vote, trying to get Adam Schiff censured in light of the record we now have? Resolutions have been introduced. Uh, they have, you know, yeah. there have been efforts to try to force a vote. Right. Uh, but the party that's in the majority right now is uh, is a party that thinks that he should be given awards. He should be giving medals, not being censured. That's a great point. Great point. Well, sir, I can't thank you enough for the, what you did to help us all at Just the News as we were trying to understand this story and, and learn from it. And I know we're going to learn a lot more about Russia and Ukraine in the next uh, next few months. So thank you for taking the time on a busy day to, to share your thoughts with Just the News and John Solomon Reports. We're, we're really glad to have you on today. Good to be with you. Thank you, sir. All right, folks, we'll be back to wrap it up in a second. Wow, what a podcast. I'm exhausted, but it was worth it, right? We had I know we went a little extra long today. But Lee Zeldin, Dave Bossy, a good explanation of the Ukraine-Ivanovich story. 
and what to look forward to in the unmasking scandal unfolding in Washington. We're able to get to all of that today. I'm so grateful you stuck around to listen to it all. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back on Tuesday with a new edition, new guests, new breaking news. I can't wait to be here with you. Until then, have a safe week and enjoy your family. Be healthy. Enjoy that time alone. Hopefully soon we'll all be getting back to work and life as normal. I'm John Solomon. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports at JustTheNews.com.